could he do that? Are you on What? Charles Darwin. Welcome everybody back into Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Brabber and alongside me is Logan Camden. And today we are continuing our NFL season preview content for you all by discussing the NFC North and NFC South divisions. Now, we did our first NFL season preview show a couple days ago where we tackled the NFC West and the NFC East. So today we're going to be finishing up that conference. And then, of course, after that, we'll move on to the AFC into next week. But for today, we're going to start with the NFC North, where I think, Logan, there's a pretty clear top team here. It was a team that was dominant throughout last season and returns the vast majority of the key players from that team, although there was a little bit of skepticism about that at one point. But I always let you dictate how this goes. So it's whoever you have at the top of the division who we talk about first. So who is that team for you? I shockingly have the Detroit Lions winning the division, Carson. Love that take. It's No, I, I have the Green Bay Packers repeating once more. I have them going 12-5. and five, And for a lot of these teams in the NFC, I find it hard cracking that barrier. Like all of these teams who are at the top are going to have pretty tough schedules. And uh, it's no different for the Packers. They've got the, uh, I believe, the fourth uh, toughest schedule heading into the season. Um but I still expect them to dominate once more. And again, the one constant, as you mentioned, Carson, is Aaron Rodgers. And I think there's a genuine question of, can he be even better next season? Which is crazy to say. Uh, just last season, I mean, he set records in uh, what touchdowns, completion percentage, and he almost broke his own record for passer rating in a single season, which he set back, uh, I believe, the season previous. Um Aaron Rodgers is extremely special. It's the reason that the Packers are going to be relevant once more. They are bringing back a lot of the weapons, as you mentioned. Aaron Jones is back. Devontae Adams is back. But I do think there are two chief questions when it comes to the Packers season that they really do need to be concerned about. And I think the first one, Carson, is just the defense straight up. Um, can they bounce back and will this young talent develop? Uh, their old defensive coordinator, Mike Pedden, is out and they brought in Joe Barry. Now, Joe Barry's track record is not good, Carson. Uh, back in 2007 and 2008, he was with the Detroit Lions in the same division. They finished 32nd in yards. They finished 32nd in points allowed. And he was the defensive coordinator in Washington in 2015 and 2016, where they finished 28th in yards. Uh, and I believe, yeah, uh, in 2015 and 2016. And those aren't the only concerns of the defense with the new personnel, the new staff coming in. Uh, Kenny Clark uh, was out last season. He's coming back off of an injury. And, of course, the, the big talk last season, the precipitous fall off of the Smith brothers, uh, obviously not, you know, we use that as, they're not actually related, uh -huh. but a, a precipitous fall off from the season previous. Uh, Zedarius goes from 93 pressures to 51. Preston goes from 12 sacks to four and from 55 pressures to just 26. So I think the real concern, um, I've got two big ones the defense and the offensive line. Uh, I'll let you talk about the defense, though. My biggest concern for the Green Bay uh, Packers is this defense. Just you need the Smith brothers to be super effective, and you need them to be dominant off the edge for the Packers to win a lot of games. And you need Kenny Clark to be that same dominant run-stopping presence that he was once uh, before the injury. And you need this new defensive coordinator coming in and work. Again, Joe Barry's track record is not solid. And I think mm -hmm. I think the defense is just where most of my question marks arise for the Packers and their Super Bowl ceiling this next season. Well, I think that's logical because obviously the offense was as well-oiled of a machine as there was in football. I'm interested by your take that Rodgers, we could maybe expect to be even better this year. I don't think that's possible. I think last year he had effectively the perfect quarterback season. And for a guy who's, what, 38 years old now? Like, if he could come close to that level again, he would be doing all-time stuff. And I'm not saying that he can't do that, but to say, can he surpass it? I would bet a good bit of money on no. Unless the power of spite is so <laughs> great that he can just be propelled to have a 55-touchdown season. But that's not my expectation. When it comes to defense, I think that I expect them to basically replicate what they did last year. Because I think if you look at defensively last season, they were just pretty solid all around. It's not like they forced a ton of turnovers where you can say that's unsustainable. You talk about the Smith brothers having a bit of regression. I think Zadarius still had 12 plus sacks. Obviously he's a prolific pass rusher. And so to me, it's more like, can you expect growth there? Can you expect a bit of a bounce back and improvement? As you mentioned, Kenny Clark, I'm not all too worried about the defensive coordinator situation. And so for me, it's like you didn't lose any key personnel and the defense here really just has to be good enough. It really just has to be above average, and then the offense will carry them the rest of the way to the point where they can be 
on that contention level. So I probably don't have as many concerns as you do there. But again, it's all relative to the offense. And the offense is where you have very few concerns. Well, I do think there is one chief concern, as I mentioned, though, and that is with the offensive line. They lose the all-pro center, Corey Lindsley. He's now with the Chargers. Uh, rookie Josh Myers is presumed to step in and start. Mm-hmm. David Bakhtiari tore his ACL back in December. He may not be healthy. He's probably not going to be healthy for week one. He may need time to get back up to full strength. But again, when you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers under center, um, a lot of those turn concerns get brushed under the table it does surprise me though because I do think the defense I think we need to see a little more like we need more big plays out of this defense uh, from Mm. Green Bay I mean turnovers were the Achilles heel uh, of this team they just didn't force a ton of them they were what 25th in turnovers last season it was not solid Mm -hmm. I think I think that's the spot where I think the defense really needs to step up just gaining more opportunities for this offense Mm -hmm. but again a part of that is when Aaron Rodgers is playing perfect football and doesn't turn the ball over as much they're not gonna have as many opportunities um so, I mean, what is your biggest concern with this team then? Well, just to stick on the defensive end for a second, if I were to point out something, it would probably be Kevin King in that number two corner spot. And I'm a little surprised you didn't mention that because that to me would be the weakness that stood out from this unit last year and the weakness that I wouldn't say they convincingly addressed. So that's a spot I think you can look at. And I think that you're right about the offensive line because what was so remarkable about last season for Aaron Rodgers, for this Packers offense as a whole was how easy it looked, how methodical each drive was, and I think that the offensive line was obviously pivotal there in making the run game so remarkably dynamic and consistent and effective, and also allowing Rodgers to comfortably sit back in the pocket there. He took 21 sacks all year, and we saw in the rare instances where he was under significant pressure, like I always think back to that Tampa game, you could rattle him just a little bit. Now, this is a guy who had basically a perfect season, so you don't want to overstate those struggles, but he was certainly enabled to have the kind of success that he did by that elite offensive line play. And if that regresses, I think you can expect some regression in this offense overall. So I don't think they're going to be quite as good as last year. I really don't see that many opportunities for dramatic growth. Again, I don't think Rodgers can be reasonably better than he was last year. I don't think this offense as a whole can be reasonably better. And so I think the other key thing is, Last year, you look at them going 13-3, and they did that with a pretty easy schedule. Mm -hmm. Two and two against teams with winning records, and this year, that dynamic has completely flipped on its head. The entire NFC North just has brutal schedules, mostly because they're matched up with the NFC West, which I think we can both agree is probably the best division in football. This year, the Packers have to face the Niners on the road, the Chiefs on the road, the Cardinals on the road, the Ravens on the road, and then they host the Seahawks, Rams, and Browns. It is the fourth toughest schedule based on their uh, opponent's records last year in all of football. And so to me, that's the biggest concern with this football team because I don't really see those areas where the Packers Mm -hmm. are going to dramatically slip as a football team. It's more just, it's going to be a tougher road and you're not probably going to win 14 games against this schedule. So I have them going 12 and five. As I said last episode, that is for now a projection that is within, let's say, a game of where we'll end up because I haven't done the exact record of every team. And yes, the NFL will have a 500 record in my projections because I don't live in a fantasy land where you can just say, oh, every team's going to win 10 games. Not in my world. What do you have them going? I also have them going 12-5. and five. Um, It's a tough schedule, but again, when you've got the best quarterback in football on your team or you know a top three QB on your team, mm-hmm. it's Rodgers is going to carry this team regardless if he stays healthy. So they're the clear-cut favorite in their division, obviously, Where do you think they factor into the NFC conversation overall? So because of uh, them playing their own, I actually, so now that we're finished with the NFC, you know, we have full projections. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have the Packers finishing as my top seed. Um, And the reason is uh, head-to-head, I believe, let me get this right. I don't want to get this wrong. I believe they, uh, they played the Rams, correct? Yeah. I have them winning that head-to-head matchup, which in my standings will give them the edge over the Rams, even though, uh, and I believe I have them going undefeated uh, in their division Mm -hmm. as well. So the Packers will be my top seed uh, out in the NFC. Okay. I think that they are the third best team in the NFC. I agree. So you agree there. I think the Rams are better, and I think that the Bucks are probably marginally better as well. And that's not to say that they don't have a Super Bowl caliber roster, because I think that, yeah, if you can score 30 points a game and play average to above average defense, then you insert yourself into that conversation. But I don't see many worlds in which they're better than last year for all the reasons that we laid out. I just don't see where that game-changing dynamic is introduced for them. And so overall, expect the Packers to be really, really good. But 
yeah, maybe they can be as good as last year. I just don't think they can be better, and I don't think that they're the best team in the NFC. I think you're right. I think they're just missing that one game changer, you know, that one more game changing player on defense. I think they either need yeah. a dominant linebacker, they need one more pass rusher, they need a lockdown corner, and it's just not here on this roster. I think they mm-hmm. played the draft pretty well. They got Eric Stokes in the first round where they need depth at cornerback, and they got another weapon for Aaron Rodgers, but I don't really see any of these guys or any of the free agents they brought in being really high impact guys to swing them to a Super Bowl mm-hmm. or swing them you know uh to being my favorite out in the nfc so what's the x factor to you for them the x factor as i already mentioned i think is the offensive line uh-huh. and their play again when you lose an all pro when bakhtiari is coming off of an injury uh you've got to trust some of these younger guys that you brought in again they invested in that position as well they bring in uh two more offensive linemen in the later rounds they bring in josh myers out of ohio state those guys and some of the guys they've drafted in previous years uh, elton jenkins uh billy turner like these guys are going to have to play pretty big roles out of the gates and they are going to need uh, they're going to need to keep rogers upright and they're going to need to keep this ground game going which uh we haven't touched on a whole lot mm. i expect the ground game to be just as dominant uh dominant aaron jones 30 touchdowns in his last 30 regular season games you pair that with a bowling ball a bulldozer and aj Dillon. uh i i don't really have that many concerns about the packers but if we are going to highlight one it is definitely the play of this offensive line I agree with you on the expected dominance of the run game. You lose Jamal Williams, but that really doesn't matter when you have A.J. Dillon. Jamal Williams was the third best running back in this group. Pretty good as far as third running backs mm-hmm. go. But I will say the X factor is probably Rodgers to me. Just can he play up to the level of last season, especially if that offensive line play has taken a little bit of a step back, and we'll see if that's the case. Can he remain healthy? Because obviously he was healthy last year, but a couple seasons previously, that was not such a sure thing. And he's an old guy. Like, Last year, he completely flipped the script, obviously. Everybody was talking about the regression we had seen from him, and all of a sudden, he was at this career peak level again. And so that, to me, is certainly a possibility that he looks like that again, but it's far from a sure thing. And the fact that he has put himself in a situation to where he's not as reliant on his mobility as he was in his younger years, and he can just be that surgeon and dissect teams and have those long drives because of the luxury of having Aaron Jones and having Devontae Adams by his side... I think that he's going to have a really, really great season, but I'm not sure if we see quite the Aaron Rodgers that we did last year. So we agree. Packers, 12-win team. Who do you have second in this division? Uh, This may surprise you. This may surprise uh, a lot of people. I have the Minnesota Vikings finishing second in this division. Uh, I have them going 7-10, and and honestly, I just think the Vikings just were really down bad with how their defenses ended up uh, last season. Mike uh, Mike Zimmer came out and said this was his worst defense ever. And yeah, I definitely think it was. I mean, you look at the numbers, 2017, they had the number one uh, defense by points and yards allowed. Last season, they finished 29th in points allowed, 27th in yards allowed, finished with a franchise record low, 23 sacks. And I have to blame this all on injuries. Uh, Daniil Hunter is out with a neck injury, misses the entire season. Anthony Barr is out, uh, misses 14 games. Eric Kendricks missed uh, the season. Michael Pierce opts out due to COVID. They did suffer some losses in Eric Wilson and uh, Anthony Harris, which I do think affects this team, but they've completely rebuilt this offensive line, and I believe in them. They, Their defense is getting back healthy. They had Pat Pete, they had Mackenzie Alexander, they had Brashad Breland to the corners, because that was the big issue with this Vikings group last year. They counted on Jeff Gladney and Cameron Dantzler to just anchor their uh, secondary as rookies. You can't expect that out of two rookies to come in there and anchor a defense. They bring in some depth there. So I think this defense is going to be rejuvenated and be close to top 10 in the league, even though I think the Bears is a comparable defense, which is, I think, the argument and why the Bears may be better. But the distinction to me between Chicago and Minnesota and why I went with Minnesota, I don't like Justin Fields' situation out there. He doesn't have a whole lot of weapons. I'm concerned about the offensive line. And so I trust the weapons here in Minnesota on offense a little more, and I just trust their offense to put up points. I expect their defense to get a little better. I just have a lot of questions about Justin Fields, Andy Dalton, and uh, the Chicago Bears offense to keep putting up points and put them put them into positions to win. So let me ask you this then. If you're expecting significant improvement and bounce back from the Vikings defense, why do you have them winning seven games? I mean... Because <sighs> to me, I mean, that defense was atrocious last year, as you said, and I do think it will get better. I don't think that we're going to see the kind of consistent top 10 defense that we saw from the Vikings of old really up until last year. But I mean, that offense is at the very least going to be 
I would say above average, like worst case scenario, replacement level. You can have your gripes with Kirk Cousins, but at the end of the day, when he has Dalvin Cook and the weapons he has, he's going to be productive and they're going to put up points. They put up points last year. That was far from the issue. Well, to the Vikings only winning seven games, I would say I have two chief concerns. One, one you already brought up about this entire division, and that is the brutal schedule that they have to play, as you mentioned. Um, Ravens, Chargers, Packers, Niners, Steelers, Rams, Packers again. You know, like, it's going to be tough for any of these teams in the division to win games. The reason? It's Kirk. Like, Kirk's going to be really good. But it's just, he's not consistent, Carson. And that concerns me. I mean, he threw 10 picks in the first six weeks. He threw three in the final 10 games. I just don't know what to expect out of Kirk. I expect him to be better than Justin Fields and Andy Dalton, which is why I have them winning more games than Chicago. Mm Mm-hmm. I just don't know what exactly we're going to get out of Kirk Cousins, and we never do. Well, here's where I'll push back. Game to game, it's always a gamble with Kirk. Mm -hmm. But season to season, you get pretty consistent production out of the guy. And his teams generally have pretty similar success. He's not a push-the-needle kind of guy. He's not a game-changing quarterback. I think everybody's aware of that now. We've seen enough of Kirk Cousins to have determined that. But he's a guy who, if you put him in the right spot, he'll help you put up points in a regular season situation, certainly. Yeah, I think he's proven that over and over again. So I'm not super high on the Vikings. I have them going eight and nine, but it's tough for me to see them being worse than last year. Mm -hmm. I guess you are right. The schedule is brutal, and maybe that's the thing that you can point to. But I still think this is a pretty talented football team in some ways. The thing with the defense is you talk about improving the secondary, and on the front, they did add Sheldon Richardson, But that run defense was so bad last year. And again, that dynamic is going to be changed with Hunter back, with Barr at full strength, with Sheldon Richardson now into the picture. Like, they really should be better. They just have a long way to climb. But you got to trust Mike Zimmer's resume there. You got to trust the talent. So yeah, I think that they should be probably pretty average on both ends. And that's why I have them coming in at eight and nine. Well, yeah. And if I had to pick one guy that I think is really going to bolster that run defense, it would be Michael Pierce, who they signed last season. Uh, as I said, opted out due to COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah. I think they're going to be better. It's just not going to be good enough. And again, this schedule is tough, dude. Like I, not even just the games that I mentioned out of conference. I expect dogfights from the bears, mm-hmm. from the Packers. And I expect Detroit to be marginally competitive in games, despite what I have them going record wise. I just expect every game to be an absolute showdown with Minnesota because they're good, they're just not great. Well, and just to speak to how brutal the schedule really is, these are some of the games they have on their schedule. Obviously, right off the bat, Packers twice. You go to the Cardinals, you host the Seahawks and the Browns, you have the Cowboys at home, which is not a brutal game, but as far as NFC East teams go, not your best draw. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to be the best team in the NFC East. You go to the Ravens, you go to the Chargers, you go to the Niners, you host the Steelers, you host the Rams— And you mentioned the Bears are going to be a certainly competitive Mm. team on their caliber. So I think that's fair. I understand how you get to the seven win number when you look at that aspect of it. I just think I said that I could see them being average on both ends. I actually think their offense is going to be above average. I don't really see them taking a step back there. And they were pretty prolific last year. I mean, some of the games they're losing like 35 to 52 because they literally just couldn't stop anybody. So I think they're a fine team. I don't really see a playoff ceiling for them. I mean, unless they win one or two of those tough games that you aren't expecting. And I guess that seven seed, you could argue, is going to be up for grabs. I just think all three NFC West teams that don't win the division are going to be better than the Vikings. And I actually would take the Bears over them in a tiebreaker, but we can talk about that in a minute. So what's the X factor for you with the Vikings? The X factor is the offensive line, as I mentioned. Mm -hmm. They are so young and... Like, I think there's a there's a lot of upside, but there could definitely be a lot of... There's a lot of room for error here with this mm-hmm. group. Uh, at left tackle, you lose Riley Reef. Christian Darisol may not be healthy for week one. I'm hoping mm-hmm. they slide him in and play him. You have Brian O'Neill, a second-round pick in 2018. Garrett Bradbury, uh, their first-round pick in 2019. Ezra Cleveland at left guard, their second-round pick in 2020. And then Wyatt Davis, the rookie, will uh, presumably start at right guard, their third-round pick from this year. They're just really young, and... Like, that's why I think it could be a pretty rocky start for this team. I expect them to get better as this offensive line, you know, um, just gains more uh, chemistry and, Mm -hmm. you know, just adds flow to the offense over time. But I expect them to start slow. The big swing here is this offensive line, though, and I think think that's my biggest concern. But again, if this offensive line is great out of the gate, I can easily see this team winning nine games or potentially Mm -hmm. winning ten. It's it's a big swing thing for me, but uh, I don't expect them to be great. I expect this to be kind of a, a rebuilding year. Interesting. Not great for them, given some of the ages on the roster. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously they had a win-now team, and then some dynamics changed. 
to me, the key is probably going to be what they get out of that front. I mean, last year, their most prolific pass rusher was Yannick Ngakwe, who's with the team for six games. That's never good. And yeah, you get back Hunter, you bring in Sheldon Richardson. There's room for improvement there, but they're coming from a really bad point. They were really bad as far as the front goes against the run and the pass last year. And if you want to be a competent football team, you just have to perform better at the line of scrimmage than they did last year. You talked about it on the offensive end. I'm a little more concerned about it Mm -hmm. on the defensive end, but I think that's going to be a focal point on really both sides of the ball for them. So Vikings, they're okay. My days of really, really loving the Vikings, I think have probably come and gone, but I really do think offensively, I mean, they're going to put up points. They have talent there and uh, they're going to be fine. They just have a pretty tough schedule. Let's talk about the Bears. Because I have the Vikings going 8-9. I have the Bears going 8-9 as well. What do you have the Bears going? I have the Bears going 6-11. and 11. All right. Let's have the Justin Fields conversation. Because you said you're not as high on him. Explain that. No, no, no. Don't, I, don't okay. want, I don't want to paint it as that. Okay. I am very high on Justin Fields. I love him as a prospect. I just think this is a really difficult situation to step in okay. right now. Fair enough. And I think it's difficult. I think it's difficult for Dalton. I think it's difficult for him. The one saving grace here, I think, is if you consistently continue to get production out of David Montgomery, he had over 1,500 Mm -hmm. total scrimmage yards last season, 10 touchdowns, the seventh highest average yards per catch among running backs in 2020. He is going to be a weapon, a little safety valve uh, out of the backfield, and just a guy that you can depend on that I think in the rest of this roster, I don't know if you can. Darnell Mooney, Marquise Goodwin, Riley Ridley, Chris Lacey, Allen Robinson the second, like, it's a decent receiving core and you have Cole Komet and Jimmy Graham, like they're decent weapons. Again, my big gripe here is though, I just don't know what you're getting out of this offensive line. I don't, mm-hmm. I have this just sneaking suspicion that Justin Fields is going to be under duress a lot of this season. If you have a couple of injuries that hamper them, they're not deep on the O-line. Again, I hate going back to the O-line for my third consecutive team here, mm-hmm. but I just think it could be a really long season for Justin Fields. And this is a, it's not the easiest situation to step into right away. And I just, I don't think Andy Dalton lasts long here. I don't think he starts week one. I think they yeah. go Justin Fields off rip. And I think it's just, I just think it's really tough for him out of the gate. Well, it is a tough situation. It's not just a sneaking suspicion you have about that old line. They suck. I mean, we've seen it <laughs> even in preseason. Like the quarterback is under constant duress. The reason I think that Fields is so preferable to Andy Dalton is not only is he better, but he is so much more of that dynamic player outside of the pocket. Like, if you have a traditional pocket quarterback in Chicago, the guy is just going to die. He's just going to get flattened. You have seen already out of Justin Fields in preseason that adaptability, that ability to roll out, or even if it's a design, RPO or a play-action rollout, whatever. The guy can just make plays. He can also make plays actually with his feet. I mean, he is quick. Mm -hmm. He is shifty. And so that, to me, is why I'm so optimistic about him is because I think if anybody is built to survive this situation, as far as rookies go, certainly, it very well may be him. And throughout that first preseason game, man, early on, the ball was coming out of his hands a little bit. He had a fumble. He had a couple balls that could have been intercepted, but he really found his groove. He calmed down and he's just a good composed decision maker. Like he's a guy who is willing to take the check down. He's not going to try to force the issue, but he also does have that high dynamic playmaking Mm -hmm. upside. I think he's clearly better than Andy Dalton. Very clearly. I don't know what you saw in Dallas last year that is making you think Dalton's the guy, unless you are just trying to preserve Justin Fields. But I don't think that's going to be the mindset in Chicago. I think they're going to look at this and say, we have a top 10 defense. We have stars on that end with Khalil, with Roquan Smith, with Eddie Jackson. There's a depth of real quality guys on that defense. And I think they're going to want to go for it and try to win as many games as they can. And I firmly believe Justin Fields is the best option to do that. I would have them winning nine games, if not for the schedule, which is just, again, unbelievably brutal. I think that they probably have it the worst out of anybody here. They have the third toughest in the NFL by last year's opponent records, but just listen to this slate. At the Rams, at the Browns, at the Bucks, at the Steelers, Ravens, Niners, Cards, at the Seahawks, and the Packers twice. That's 10 of your 17 games right there. So you can beat up on the remainder of your schedule. You can go six and one, but you still got to win a few of those games if you're going to try to make a playoff push. And I don't know how many of those they're winning. Maybe the Steelers, actually. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. No, I'm just kidding. I, would, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I think they could. Another thing about Fields, too, a cold-weather quarterback played at Ohio State. Hopefully that doesn't affect him just because, I don't know, I feel like we've heard out of Chicago just how hard it is to throw a ball down there with the cold-weather situations. I do want to touch on the defense, though, a little bit. And as another thing, man, I talk about um, – I talk about, 
you know, injuries affecting these other teams. Injuries kind of beat up on the Bears' defense as well. And I think the big question about that, can they reach their peak from two seasons ago? Mm -hmm. Two seasons ago, they're number four defense in the league. Last season, they're number 14. Uh, Eddie Goldman opted out of 2020 due to COVID-19. He's a dominant run stopper. He should help anchor them um, back up front. Pro Bowler Akeem Hicks comes back. You've got second-team All-Pro in Roquan Smith, who just keeps getting better. Mm -hmm. He's a tackle machine. He's great. Uh, He's great in coverage. He's a better run stopper. Um... But two big questions, I think, in the other guys that are here. Will Khalil Mack return to superstar status? Not saying that he fell off last year, but it wasn't the same dominant, you know, best edge rusher in the league, Khalil Mack, that we're used to. And then, can Robert Quinn just be decent? Like, what happened to the guy, man? Like, he just, he was horrible last season in Chicago. And if they can get any production whatever, you know, whatsoever out of him, it immediately bolsters up this defense. Um... My chief concern, though, it isn't with this run stopping. It isn't with the tackling. I think it would be with this secondary. They lose Pro Bowler uh, Kyle Fuller, and they're just going to need Jalen Johnson to continually get better. That's why they were so comfortable with letting Kyle Fuller go. Uh, Jalen Johnson has to anchor this secondary. And Desmond Trafant, he only played. He's only played in 15 games these last two seasons. He's 31. He's just going to have to play a really big role as this team's second-best corner. Um, but I do expect this defense to be, once again, really well, top 10 at least. Um Again, though, the only reason I have this team winning six games, I am not sold on this offense. I expect them to be good, but I think Fields is in for a really rough season. So let's talk about the offense a little bit more then, because I think we can agree on the line. That's going to be tough. Mm -hmm. We already saw Justin Fields have his life threatened in the Bills game today uh, with just a monster hit, maybe a little bit of helmet to helmet there. That is probably going to happen a few times throughout this season. But it's interesting to me that you're skeptical of some of those weapons, because I think you have your legitimate number one guy in Allen Robinson. Darnell Mooney is a guy who I know a lot of people like. Mm -hmm. And as a number two, I think it's certainly a fine option. Cole Komet is one of the better young tight ends, I think, in football right now. You mentioned Montgomery is a guy who can get you 50-plus catches and can be a really nice check-down option. So I actually like the skill position talent. And I think that those are guys who are going to help fields make plays. And I just think that offense has to be you know, the 20th best in football for them to win eight games. I don't think it has to be a super dynamic group. And I'm a I'm a believer in Justin Fields, man. I think he could very easily be the best rookie quarterback. Maybe not the most productive because he's going to be running for his life back there. But I think his composure, his skill set, very impressive to me. We all know he said the game felt slow out there. You know, maybe that he's a little bit ahead of the game there. Maybe you shouldn't be saying that yet. But I think that you can see that there's some truth in that with the composure that he played within that first preseason game. So I'm optimistic about the Bears, but I don't think the ceiling is mm-hmm. super high because Justin Fields would have to have one hell of yeah. a season for this offense to be really good, or it would have to be Montgomery, as you mentioned, possibly just carrying the team on his back on the ground. I don't see either of those outcomes happening, but if they're mediocre, if they're slightly below average, I think the defense will be a top 10 unit, and I think that's enough for them to, again, be in that 7 8 win range. Six games to me, the only way I could justify that would be the schedule. Because I think they're more talented than really any other six-win team. I think they're more talented. And the thing, I'm wondering if this defense is going to be too dominant to just have six games. I I don't know. The schedule's brutal. I don't like their offensive coordinator. They struggled in third-down situations last season. They struggled in the red zone. I know all of that dynamic changes when you bring in a fresh face and a new quarterback, Mm -hmm. but I'm good. I'm concerned about the play calling. I'm concerned about the line. And yeah, this is a tough schedule. Maybe I'm shooting them a little too low. Maybe I should have gone in that 7-8 win range. But I just I just think Justin Fields is, is going to have a go of it, man. So you think Justin Fields is going to be better or worse than Mitch Trubisky was last year? He's going to be better than Trubisky. And I think that's going to be just like objectively. But I, I, and I think the numbers are going to reflect that. I just think... I just think maybe he gets hurt. Like, I think he is going to be just under pressure the entire time mm-hmm. this season. Um, so, I mean, do you have them, like, almost cracking a playoff berth? Where do they sit in your NFC playoff picture? If they had a more favorable schedule, I would have them as a nine-win team. It's just going to be a tough schedule. But what I will say is they were 6-3 and three in games that Trubisky played last year. He just did a decent job of not messing it up. Obviously, they said, hey, let's go to Foles. And then Trubisky ended up being probably the better option for them throughout the season. Now maybe the best backup quarterback in football. Gave him a little bit of a talking to out there on the field today. Showed him who was boss. So I have faith in fields, but there's clearly an offensive ceiling here. So I think that is the X factor is what can this offense do? What is fields like? Because no matter how much you believe in him, it's never a sure thing when you're putting a rookie out there, especially in a tougher situation. And what can those weapons around him do? Can Mooney progress? And can we see 
that he has enough help, again, to make this a competent offense. I lean yes, and so I'm a little higher on the Bears than you are. But I think we can both agree that the team that is at the bottom of this division is not very good. Not very good at all. The Detroit Lions just apparently plummeting to the cellar of their sport wherever they can. Football, basketball. They got Cade in the NBA. Maybe they'll be rewarded in the NFL, but what do you see from the Lions this year? I didn't think I'd have a team with a record this bad in a 17-game schedule. Ooh. I have them going 3-14. and 14, and that's, I really hoped you were going to say 2-15. Oh. I would have loved that. I don't. I can see it happening, honestly. Like, they're not that far off. And there's just so many question marks with this team. I think I'm going to go ahead and spill my X factor. I think it's how Campbell and Aaron Glenn rev up this defense. They're atrocious. Uh, just looking up and down, they set franchise-worst records in points and yards allowed last season. And I think if you're going to pick one group to drastically improve, I think it's a defensive line. They ranked dead last in QB pressures this, uh, last season, but they bring in uh, the Washington D lineman, uh, Anwazurike. They bring in Michael Brockers to join Trey Flowers and Romeo Aquara. I think if there's going to be one thing that you can put your weight in this season in Detroit, it is that their pass rush is going to be much improved. They're going to be better at getting to the quarterback. That being said, that's the only part of this team I like. Um, their linebacking core is slim. Jamie Collins Sr. is 31. They bring in Alex Anzalone to play genuine playing time to get genuine snaps fourth round pick Derek Barnes is going to get PT and you look at the secondary and it's it's tough like I, I like Jeff Okuda and Aaron Glenn a former defensive back in the NFL hopefully can coach this unit up but they're all there and then offensively this is the fun part Carson uh-huh. Jared Goff you know everybody's favorite play action QB right goes from having one of the best defenses in the league and one of one of the just best offenses with a wealth of weapons you go from Cooper Cup the likes of Robert Woods Josh Reynolds to Tyrell Williams Rashad Perriman Amon Ross St. Brown and TJ Hawkinson again this is a guy who over the last two seasons 42 touchdowns to 29 picks with one of the most brilliant minds at offensive coordinator some of the best weapons some of the best offensive lines he's gonna have a new system a lot worse weapons I think the Lions are in for it, man. And I think we are going to see Jared Goff get pummeled. Mm-hmm. I think we are going to see Jared Goff get demoralized. I just hope he stays upright and I hope he stays confident because I think this could be a very, very long demoralizing year for Jared Goff. Yeah. It's almost comical, the situation that they've put him in. Because last year when healthy, they had weapons at the very least. I mean, you have Kenny Galladay, a very legit number one. You have Marvin Jones, about as consistent of a number two guy as you could ask for. You have Danny Amendola, a good option in the slot. Those guys are all gone now. And you mentioned that receiving core. That's tough. (laughs) That's tough for Jared, man. I have the Lions winning four games. Part of me wants to put them at three because I really do think this is a bad roster. But also part of me thinks Jared Goff, as flawed as he is and as disappointing as he was in LA, is a pretty good quarterback to be on a three-win team. Like maybe the quarterback position is just that good in the NFL in this day and age because like, I don't know, he's not a top 20 starting quarterback. But he's still an actual starting quarterback. I don't think he's going to necessarily have a bounce back season. I think he could win them a game or two. And it's a very interesting dynamic. He has gone from being the weak spot, the thing holding the Rams back, to now being like, let's face it, one of the best offensive players probably on this Lions team and a guy who's going to be expected to do a lot of heavy lifting for them. But that receiving core, man, I mean... I honestly think that Amon Ross St. Brown ends up being the best guy out of this group. Maybe it's Tyrell Williams. Uh, I hope not. I'm a fan of Amon Ra. I think, you know, good route runner, elusive, doesn't have like game-breaking speed, but that guy was always open downfield. He had so many long touchdowns at USC. Maybe he doesn't have those same advantages against NFL secondaries. He's only a fourth rounder, so that's a lot to ask of him. But compared to the rest of the talent, maybe I would just rather bet on the guy who you know, we don't know what he is in the NFL yet because I'm not looking at Tyrell Williams or Brashad Perriman and saying, yeah, that guy's a 1,200-yard receiver. Are you considering Hawkinson in that mix? Because I think he's clearly going to be the best weapon if we're yeah. considering all the receivers. Yeah, that's fair enough. And he probably is. He's probably the most reliable option there. And then with, with St. Brown, I do think he's going to be the best wideout on this roster. I, God, dude, just just thinking about Brashad Perriman as a wideout three just hurts me, bro. Like, he's mm-hmm. going to drop so many passes. Golf's going golf's gonna to be pissed. Yeah. Um, Tyrell Williams is really good, like his rookie campaign. I. This is just, this is really tough. I think the big difference, if we're also looking at the difference between Los Angeles um, and Detroit, uh, you go from having a really dominant running attack and a play-action heavy team, 
This is a Detroit Lions squad that has failed to establish the run for the past, what, 20 years? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got to... I trust DeAndre Swift to take a leap. I think he proved himself as a really reliable pass catcher, as a really reliable running back as well, and he's going to have a lot more opportunity uh, with Adrian Peterson, you know, relatively out of the picture. He had 10 touchdowns last season. That ranks fourth among the rookies of last season. But <laughs> it's on golf. And, like, again, they're going to go way more shotgun-based. It's what um, it's what this offense is going to want to move towards, a lot less play action. I'm hoping that benefits golf. And that is the one thing that I'm really hopeful about Jared in this new situation is he's not a play-action QB. Like, Golf can be a West Coast quarterback. I just uh-huh. don't. He's he's kind of mobile. I just think he's so much more suited to sit back in the pocket and make reads and make decisions. I just I don't like him in on the run on the move. I just don't think that's him as a quarterback. I think he's going to be better in this system, but it's still going to be tough. Again, a lot of young guys on this offensive line, a lot of unproven weapons. Um, it's going to be rough on the offensive side of the ball. Um, yeah. Do you think it? Is there anything to look forward on the other side of the football? Michael Brockers. <laughs> No, I mean, they got worse. You mentioned the losses. They got worse there. And I just think this is a pretty straightforward formula. You win five games. You lose a bunch of significant guys from that team, including the majority of your best offensive weapons, your far and away star quarterback, a guy who's significantly better than the guy who you're bringing in, and you introduce one of the most brutal schedules in football. Is that going to be good? I don't know how they could win more than five games. Like... Maybe I should downgrade them to three wins because the schedule is a factor as well. They have, what, I think it's the fifth toughest schedule in football, like this Mm -hmm. entire division, man. They're not going to win a lot of games. I don't know if they're winning a game in division, and it's not going to get easier outside of the division. So maybe I should have gone all in. Maybe I should have had them going 1-16, and 2008 Lions mode. I think that they're more talented, obviously, but I also think the NFL is more talented overall. Like, that's the thing. You just don't have miserable rosters like you used to. Every once in a while, sure, you'll get a terrible Jets or Jags team. It's, I can't see a Jared Goff-led squad winning one game, but I definitely can see them winning three or four. The thing is, though, dude, I, I feel like the Lions could have been decently competitive this year. Maybe that's not what they want to do. Maybe they want to tank and just, you know, go into this full rebuild, which is, again, why I think they overhauled their coaching staff and their front office. But, like, you talk about the guys that they lost. Like, if they'd retained Galladay or Marvin Jones mm-hmm. or Deron Harmon, Gerard Davis, Trufant, Reggie Ragland, Jamal Agnew— any of these guys would be playing pretty big roles on this team as either starters or just rotational pieces. Mm-hmm. Why, though? What's the incentive for them? No, that's what I'm saying, though. That's yeah. why I do understand why you would want to go into this full tank, this full rebuild. Yeah. Um, good luck, Detroit fans. Can we agree that Romeo Aquara is the best player on this football team? Maybe it's Michael Brockers. Maybe. It's close. So at least you got something to look for there. Pass rush. Go Lions. Go Lions. This is going to be great. Lots of bags over the heads in the stands in Detroit this year. Yeah, going to be very rough for them. All right, so with that division out of the way, let's move on to the NFC South, where I think there is also a pretty clear top dog. For me, it's the reigning Super Bowl champions. Logan, I don't know, maybe you got a little bit zany. Maybe you're a big Falcons guy, but who do you have at the top of this division? Or maybe I'm a big Jameis Winston guy. No. no. Um, I don't even want to talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They brought back everybody. They got better. Like, I think the only thing that might hold this team back, like, again, you bring back Chris Godwin, you bring back A.B., you bring back uh, you bring back Lombardi-Lenny, you bring back basically all of this defense, and they're super young. The only thing that can maybe hold this team back is Tom Brady looking a little rough after his surgery. And, again, Brady didn't look good in the regular season last year. He had a, lost a lot of zip on his ball. Deep balls were rough, but they found that playoff formula and hit their stride as the season gone along, uh, went along. They focused more heavy on the run, more heavy on the play action, and relied on their defense to really grit and grind games out, and it worked. And so I think you've got a really good formula, regardless of if Brady is at 100% or not when the season comes around. I just think I just think it's a no-brainer. Again, you had the number one rushing defense in football in the last eight games. Again, when they figured this formula out, they mm-hmm. averaged 34 points per game. You bring back Levante David. You bring back Shaq Barry. And the only losses you have are two depth offensive linemen. So as yeah. long as the greatest football player of all time does greatest football player of all time things, this team's probably going to win 12 to 13 games. And it hurts me saying that because I hate Tom Brady and I hate the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and I hate this football monster that they have created down in Florida. But it's the facts. This team's going to be dominant once again. I think we should take this moment to just bask in the brilliance of one Max Kellerman. Because Max decided (laughs) five years ago when he joined ESPN's first take 
that he should make his flagship take something that basically would have to be right no matter what. All he said effectively was, at some point, Tom Brady is not going to be as good as he is now, like happens to every single player ever. And after five years, apparently now he's not going to be on first take anymore. So he is literally not going to see that take be justified at any point during his time on the biggest stage of his career, which is really just remarkable because it was the safest take ever. And it might be the worst take ever. And it really might be the worst take ever, yeah. Although we still don't know because technically if at 45 Brady falls off a cliff, Max Kellerman was right. He still did it. But I think part of the reason why this is probably going to be such a smooth path for the Bucks in this regular season is not only do they retain all those key guys you mentioned, and they really did keep almost everybody, they have the fourth easiest schedule in football. Like, I have them as a 13-win team. I could easily see them being a 14-win team, even though I don't think they're the best squad in the NFC because the Rams, the Bills, and the Colts are really their only legitimately tough games. Like, they're cruising through a mediocre division, And they don't have a tough schedule outside of that. So I think that you touched on it. Maybe if Brady regresses, that's the only thing that can hold this team back. But if you look at last year, Brady wasn't always his sharpest in the regular season. He wasn't always his sharpest in the playoffs. He had moments where he looked downright terrible. But as long as he's not a turnover machine, as long as he gets rid of the ball quickly and that run game doesn't regress, like maybe you could point at that and say, okay, if Ronald Jones doesn't have as successful of a campaign, maybe they take a step back there. They've added Giovanni Bernard in there as a rotational back, losing Shady McCoy. I don't know if that's an upgrade. That's probably a lateral move at this point. Not really significant. So yeah, the run game should be good. The passing game should be good. The defense should be great. They've got an easy schedule. They're experienced, obviously. I don't see really any potential for regression with this team. And I think that as far as regular season goes, they'll be better because last year there were you know some ups and downs in there. There were some rough Brady moments. There was some finding our rhythm as a team moments. Now they've gotten most of that out of the way, again, unless we see some unexpected bumps in the road from Brady, and they're just going to be great. So you have them going 13-4. and four. Uh, I just want to ask, what game specifically do you have them losing? Well, that's a good question. I didn't actually map out every single individual outcome, but I think that the Bills are a better team than them. Mm-hmm. I think the Rams are a better team than them. So I think those are two losses. And then the rest of the way, I feel like they'll stumble twice, but yeah. maybe they won't, man. Like I did actually consider putting them in that 14 and 3, 15 and 2 range. Even though just because who is gonna beat them up and down the schedule, Logan? Like who? At New England? No. The Saints once? Maybe. Yeah. I the mean Dolphins. Are, those are the games that I I have them going 12 and 5. Just because I expect I expect just a just a slip up, you know, just to, those mm-hmm. happen. I, I expect the games you mentioned, I expect a loss to the Rams. I expect a loss to the Bills. Mm-hmm. I expect a loss to the Colts. I think they're all just outright either on the level of them or better teams. And then, yeah, I'm cuckoo. I picked the Washington football team to beat them, you know, because I'm a Ryan Fitzpatrick guy. Pass um, rush. The pass yeah. rush, at least. Um, I think the Dolphins are an interesting yes. pick, too, because of the secondary forced a couple turnovers. Yeah, but those are my games. But, dude, like you said, I could genuinely see this team winning – 15 to 16 games. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised. Which is really thoroughly disgusting. Yes. Tom, Tom Brady at, what is he, 97, 97. now, bro? He's 97 this year. Save some for the rest of us, Tom. Like, seriously. Just take a load off. You freak. You mutant. That guy. He's a weirdo. All right? We're going to learn some weird things about Tom Brady after he's retired, okay? If we haven't already. What? You don't think so? That guy's a nut job. Well, what do you think we're going to find out? Please elaborate. I don't know. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody, but there's going to be some stuff. Going to involve paleontology. Going to involve Han Solo, potentially. It's going to be wild. All right, so we <laughs> agree on that. I don't think if there's really much room for debate there. Who do you have second in this division? Uh, I have the New Orleans Saints. And I do think, I mean, I think the Saints suffered a lot uh, in this in this free agency period. You lost a lot of key guys. You lose Breeze, who... Hey, get out of here, you old bum. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but they actually lost some good players. They lose Emmanuel Sanders, Jared Cook, Sheldon Rankins, Malcolm Brown, Trey Hendrickson, the big one, Quan Alexander, Alex Anzalone, Jonas Jenkins, all pretty key pieces on this defense. So if you're going to pick a drop-off, I think it would be there. But 
I would like to say. I think they killed the draft with their three picks. They only had four picks total. I thought they did a really good job with the three guys they got. Peyton Turner at defensive end, Pete Werner at linebacker, and Paulson Adebo at cornerback. You're putting a lot of faith in these three young guys to really play well, and I think that's a swing thing. Can the draft picks that you've invested in these past couple years develop enough to be really good rotation pieces? And can these three top picks get, you know, uh, play really good effective snaps and play a meaningful role on this roster? Um, those other picks I'm talking about, you need Cesar Ruiz to play better, Troutman, Zach Bond, all these young guys have to continue to get better. Um, but honestly, Carson, it falls on the shoulders and the eyesight of Jameis Winston. Uh, he's I, that's the thing I'm most excited about. Mm-hmm. You're telling me this guy was basically blind like Vinny Testaverde <laughs> was back in Tampa Bay? All he needed was contacts and some surgery? Bet. Let's go, Jameis. I, I, I'm i really excited to see him back on the field. You have weapons. Kamara's back. Michael Thomas is back. And no one, no one that you put on this roster could be as bad as Drew Brees was last season. He was... Really? I don't know. I mean, I felt that's, like Brees handcuffed that, this team. That's an exaggeration. He's a good decision maker. He didn't turn the ball over. He didn't mess things up for you. There's a lot of guys who could do a lot worse than that. Logan. I mean, can you say that, though? For the regular season? Okay. I yes. Guess, yeah, playoffs, he sunk their ship. Like, sure. But if, at the end of the day, what did he have? Like 27 touchdowns to seven picks or whatever, something in that range? Like, he just didn't mess it up. I agree with you. He's clearly not a particularly good quarterback, not a talented quarterback for sure, but let's calm down a little bit. You throw some other guys in that situation, it goes a little bit worse. Jameis might be one of those guys. Let's be honest. Dude, he was literally blind out there. Like, I mean, yeah. I, I, I I, assume he has to be just better. I don't know if that's going to make him a better decision maker, but if you literally can't see out there, I assume that'd be the reason why he does all those picks. But Well, let's do a little case study here, Logan, because we know the example is Vinny Testaverde, right? At what point did oh, Vinny Testaverde bruh. get his eyes fixed? I'll tell you one thing. It was before 2000, and he led the league in picks then, and then he led the league again in 2004. Some dudes just love throwing interceptions, and Jameis Winston happens to be one of those dudes who loves throwing interceptions and loves fumbling the ball. So I don't think he's going to be better than Drew Brees was last year. I mean, he'll be more fun, but look, I like Jameis. He's a very talented quarterback, but he's a wild man out there. And when a guy has never proven to me that he can be a stabilizing force in an offense that mostly just needs a stabilizing force... I'm not going to bet on him being some huge upgrade. I'm just hoping that he doesn't mess it up for them. Like, if you can keep him to 15 picks or less, six fumbles lost or that's, less. That's great. That's, that's great. great. That's a win. And he might still lead the league in turnovers with that no, with those numbers, but that's a win. Not with Daniel Jones around. Well, good point. There would be some <laughs> stiff competition there. I agree with you. I mean, this is a team that was hit hard in free agency. And I am concerned about the offensive weapons because I have the Saints going 9-8 and eight right now, but you've already lost Emmanuel Sanders and Jared Cook. And we'll see what happens with Michael Thomas, man. Yeah. If Michael Thomas demands out, I don't feel good about the Saints. Neither do I. Like, that's some serious loss to your offensive punch. And I mean, the infrastructure is strong here. That's why I do think you can put Jameis in. As long as you, know, you haven't lost everything defensively, you'll still be a solid team because such an elite run game. Good O-line, and Kamara is just obviously one of the most effective all-around offensive weapons in football. So if Jameis just chills out a little bit, they should be good there. But if Michael Thomas really is going to demand out of here and is going to get out either before the season or more likely during the season at this stage, that does not bode well for New Orleans. So I still think the defense should be good. I mean, you mentioned some of the losses there. Those hurt. But... They had an elite run defense last year. They forced the third most turnovers in football. So if you're regressing from that point, you can still be a solid group reasonably. But I think that the X factors are going to be on the offensive end here. I think it's going to be Jameis. I think it's going to be the presence or lack thereof of Michael Thomas. That's interesting. I would put Jameis, obviously, as the biggest X factor. The quarterback's the most important position on field. And again, Drew Brees has been the stabilizing factor there. Mm. You need Jameis to be a similar stabilizing factor. I love the O-line. I don't think you have anything to worry about Jameis really getting you know pressured a whole lot or uh, him being under duress a lot of the time. I'm not as confident in the defense, though. I mean, I just... I think Marcus Davenport, who I highlighted as a major player for them last season, has to continue to take that step. When you lose a pass rusher the caliber of Trey Hendrickson, uh-huh. those turnovers on the back end aren't going to come as easily. You need guys to get to the passer, and Cameron Jordan's getting up there in age. Granted, he is still as solid as ever. I'm really concerned about this pass rush. I think Zach Bond can help that. I think also, um, again, Pete Werner can help that. I think uh, Peyton Turner can help that. But again, 
they have to be good off rip. You mm-hmm. need, you can't lose the pressure that this, that this defense was able to put on guys. Um, on the back end, you do have Marshawn Lattimore, Marcus Williams, PJ Williams, and Malcolm Jenkins. So really, yeah, I guess my only concern is this pass rush. Mm-hmm. I, I love the secondary still. I think the linebackers are solid. You just need these young guys to continue to develop. You need as much pressure on the quarterback as possible because that's what that's what truly made the Saints defense special last season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Hendrickson was the leader of the pack there, and David Onyemata is going to miss six games with the suspension. That's not helpful in that respect. So I understand your concern. I just think that they're going to be a fine defense. I think that they're going to be just you know a pretty solid all-around team. I think that nine games is reasonable for them given that they don't have the toughest schedule. And... I mean, Jameis is going to be the fun part here, man. Seeing what we get out of Jameis, are we going to get a 33-touchdown, 30-pick season? Are we going to get a toned-down season? Are we going to get just the best of Jameis, where we see what he can do as that dynamic playmaker, but also he cuts down on the idiocy? If so, Jameis Winston could be an above-average quarterback in the NFL. I don't think that's going to happen. Again, the track record would suggest that that's very improbable, but nothing is impossible. So we both have the Saints in the second spot. Who do you have finishing third in this division? Uh, in the third spot, I have the Atlanta Falcons. And I think the big thing that we can take back from this uh, from this offseason from Atlanta is just that they're going all in on Matt Ryan. They're mm-hmm. telling them we want to try, to try to ride this out, try to get one more playoff run if we can. I don't really see it in the cards, but I still do really like this offense. A lot of people say Dirk Cutter held Matt Ryan back. Um, you bring in Arthur Smith from Tennessee, who was really prolific, you know, with Ryan Tannehill and all the weapons they had there. So I think that's something to really look forward to. There's going to be a lot. There's going to be a brand new offensive system, a lot of pre-snap motion, a lot of just more dynamism in this Atlanta Falcons offense that they were lacking. That being said, you lose Alex Mack last season. This offensive line allowed 41 sacks. It was the reason that they struggled so much. But I do like the offensive line. Granted, they're unproven. You return Jake Matthews. Um, Chris Lindstrom and Caleb McGarry. Those other two spots are a little shaky. Uh, Matt Hennessy, Drew Dahlman, Matt Gano, Jalen Mayfield, and Josh Andrews. Two of those guys are going to have to step up and be contributors. But I think the offensive line gets better. Um, you lose Todd Gurley. You bring in Mike Davis. Like, I think this offense is going to be solid. They're always solid under Matt Ryan, but <sighs> this defense sucks, yeah. as they always do. Like, I don't know if they should have gone. I was a big guy on going... I said that they should go corner. They should maybe go Micah Parsons in the draft. Like, maybe I'm wrong because I think Kyle Pitts is genuinely just a game-changing prospect. He's a mm-hmm. special talent, and I think he's going to be a lot of fun to watch alongside Matt Ryan. But this defense did not get better. They got, in my opinion, a lot worse. And the only thing that I think you can count on is this linebacking core. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, I think it's going to be a long season to this defense. Yeah. I mean, you look at what they did last year. They already allowed the most passing yards in football, 34 passing touchdowns. Then they lose Keanu Neal and Ricardo Allen, replace them with Deron Harmon and Eric Harris. I, that's a lateral move. Like, that doesn't really matter. It's interesting to swap out a couple safeties, but, like, that's not going to make them better in any significant way. And as terrible as they probably were in the secondary, the bigger problem, I would say, was the pass rush. Yeah. They didn't have a guy with five sacks last year. And their most prominent addition there was Marlon Davidson in the second round. I'm not going to put that kind of weight on the shoulders of a rookie. Like, they're just not going to be significantly improved anywhere on that end. And while I agree with you that this offense is going to be good, I don't think it will be better than last year's necessarily. Like, the Alex Mack loss matters. No Julio. Obviously, Julio wasn't healthy for all of last year. I love Kyle Pitts. He's not going to be better than Julio Jones. And there are weapons here. I think Arthur Smith... Should be a really good offensive coach, but I don't think this offense is going to be good enough to propel them to like eight, nine wins given the defensive issues. Look, I mean, I don't have them winning that many games either, but mm. it does. I think Arthur Smith is a huge improvement. I think he makes yeah. the offense a lot better. And granted, yeah, I think the Mac uh, loss hurts, but I love the weapons here. Calvin Ridley is going to be a dominant number one. I expect him to have a huge campaign. I like Russell Gage. I like Olamide Zacchaeus. I like Kyle Pitts. I love Hayden Hurst. I don't know, man. Like, I, I think this offense is going to be great. Define great. A top 10 offense? Yeah. Okay. I can see them on the fringes of that conversation, but they were an average offense last year. So if you're a little bit better than that, but you're still terrible defensively, they won four games last year. And yes, it was a terribly unlucky four games. Like, they were a better team than that. Point differential-wise, I mean, they were, like, outscored by a point a game. They lost a ton of yeah. just ridiculous ones, as we all remember. So 
yeah, uh, their offense could very well be better. They should be a better team overall. It's hard to imagine a team with this much talent winning four games in consecutive seasons, especially the quarterback position, because Matt Ryan is really, really good. Not going to be an even year, though. And if you've <laughs> listened to Nerd Sesh long enough, you know that even year Matt Ryan is his finest form. And last year, even year Matt Ryan actually wasn't all that great, which maybe tells mm-hmm. you he might actually be slipping for real at this point. But I, I just think... The defense is going to be so problematic. They have the third easiest schedule in football, but I don't really see them as overwhelming favorites in any games because I'm like, who are they going to stop? They're going to win some games, sure, but I have them at 6-11. and 11. I have them at 6-11 and 11 as well. Fist bump. <laughs> wow, so you're expecting them to be like the worst defense in football, damn near. I expect them to be pretty bad, yeah. yeah. I do I want agree. to ask uh, one more thing about the offense. They bring in a guy in Frank Darby. What do you think he can do individually? What do you think he brings to this offense? That's an interesting question. My guess is probably that given the depth of weapons who you mentioned, like two quality tight ends, Mm -hmm. an elite number one, as you mentioned, Gage and Zacchaeus, that's already five pretty darn good receiving options. And he was a sixth rounder. So I think that he probably isn't a top priority at this point. And we'll kind of see what Darby is because last year was supposed to be his breakout campaign for ASU, like he was supposed to follow in the footsteps of Nikhil Harry and Brandon Ayuk and maybe launch himself into that, you know, top end of the draft conversation, and he just didn't really play. So I don't think he'll have all that big of a role initially, but if you're going to go five wide, as far as receiving depth goes, he's a talented football player, and I think he can contribute in the limited opportunities they'll have. So I have no doubts about them in that respect. I just worry a little bit about the line with the loss of Mm -hmm. probably your best offensive lineman. But I do think that that will be counteracted probably by the coaching improvement that they have with Arthur Smith. So all around, some lateral moves from the Falcons. I think it's a different roster, but in a lot of ways, it's fundamentally kind of the same roster. And I just don't think they can be all that good because of the defensive limitations they're going to have. So I actually have them last in the division, but you have the Panthers last. So what do you see happening with Carolina? I do still have the Panthers last, and I think there's a lot of things to look forward to, mm-hmm. um, even though I only have them winning five games here. Um, the thing to look forward to the most is Sam Darnold's debut with this roster and really can can Sam save his career because this is a real make-or-break season for him. I mean, if Sam Darnold goes out there and this team wins five games, I have to think that he is relegated to a QB2 next season or he's, again, traded in a uh, similar situation. We've seen the other QBs. He's moved off to another roster. But I think there's a really good chance that he can do that here and resurrect his career, even though they're only winning five games. I think he can look good and still only win five games because I think this defense still may limit this team. Um, but as for the uh, offensive pieces here, you have offensive coordinator Joe Brady. I really like him, and I think he's going to whip up a nice system for Sam Darnold. You've got weapons. Uh, Robbie Anderson, who played with Darnold in New York. You have DJ Moore here. David Moore, who averaged over 17 yards per catch in two seasons in Seattle. And, of course, you have Christian McCaffrey, one of the most dynamic running back weapons in football. Um, But, I mean, the thing holding this team back was was obviously the defense last season. They had the Mm -hmm. ninth-worst pass rush, the number 18 scoring and passing defense, the number 20 rushing defense. And they made some moves. Uh, They got Denzel Perryman from uh, Los Angeles. They needed a coverage linebacker. That was the biggest hole in this Carolina uh, linebacking core last season. They just didn't have anybody who could cover the middle of the field. He's a hard-hitting run stopper. You bring in a guy like Morgan Fox, which I think is an underrated move. Last season uh, with the Rams, nine QB hits, six sacks on just 39% of the Rams' snaps on defense. You bring in Hassan Reddick. You bring in A.J. Boye. You bring in J.C. Horn. Like, I genuinely think all of these moves, uh, the improvement on offense, the players they brought in, the improvements on defense, it makes them good. But I don't know, man. I don't – I just – there's something about Darnold. Oh. There's something about Darnold. Like, I just – I'm not saying he holds his team back, but this is not an overwhelmingly dominant roster. This is not an overwhelmingly dominant line. I think the Panthers are going to be good. Like, I don't want to – like – don't you have them winning five games? I have them winning five games. No, no, no. So you don't think they're going to be good? Like I think they're, I think they're good. I just don't think they're they're special in any way. No, you think they're bad if you have them winning five games. Like, I don't, I don't. I guess what I, I guess what I mean to say is I don't hate this roster. Uh-huh. Yeah, but I don't love it either. I think this. And I don't love Sam Darnold. That's the big thing. Well, yeah. I just don't love Darnold. No, let's put it out there. Sam Darnold has been a terrible NFL quarterback. I'm not betting on this team to win seven games because of Sam Darnold. You said you don't think he's holding them back. I think he very well okay. may hold them back. I mean, we'll see, right? He's going to be in a different situation. He shouldn't be dealing with some of the 
worse weapons and offensive line play and everything that he had in New York. But the guy has plenty of his own problems. And I think a lot of people give him a pass and say, oh, everything around him is so terrible in New York. Like the guy just sees ghosts. He misses <laughs> easy throws a lot. I don't think Sam Darnold is going to be a good NFL quarterback anywhere. And so I think that he's going to be, yeah, mediocre would be the best outcome to me. I think he's probably pretty bad again. Like he just started a full season and went two and 10 and threw nine touchdowns to 11 picks, completed less than 60% of his passes, averaged six yards per attempt. Normally that means you're not a very good quarterback, especially when the two years prior you're dancing dangerously close to having the same amount of touchdowns as turnovers and the stats aren't all that much better. The completion percentage isn't significantly higher. The yards per attempt isn't significantly higher. Like the guy just hasn't been good, but I love the weapons. Even with the loss of Curtis Samuel, I love the weapons. Even with the loss of Mike Davis, hopefully McCaffrey's healthy because mm-hmm. if he's not, my outlook on this team definitely changes, but maybe I'm just higher on the defense because I mean, you named all the studs that they're adding. Hassan Reddick. That's a game-changing pass rusher right there. They needed a number one corner. Hopefully, you have a guy who can fill that role well in A.J. Bouye. And then we'll see how a couple of the young guys, Derek Brown, Jeremy Chin, progress. But they had impressive rookie seasons overall. So, like, I think this could be a fringe top 10 defense. And because of that, given the offensive weapons they have, like, just let Christian McCaffrey touch the ball 400 times this year. Like, not naturally, but, like, let him have 200-plus carries and let him have 100 catches. And then you have a great number one receiver in DJ Morris at back-to-back 1,200-yard seasons, basically. Robbie Anderson had a 1,000-yard season last year. David Moore, as you mentioned, that guy can take the top off of a defense. So, yeah, I just like what they've done. I think that even if Teddy to Darnold, I don't know if it's a lateral move. I mean, Darnold is more talented, but he also sucks. So (laughs) maybe that's a little bit of an upgrade, but it's not really about that to me. It's about what they have put around him. And if he can be good... I think that this could be an eight or nine win team. I'm just not going to expect that out of him. You sold me, bro. Let's go. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna bump him up to six games. I nice. I don't know I don't know which game I'm gonna switch here. Maybe 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 they win week nine in New England. I'll go with that. I love that. Yes, take a win away from the Pats. Yes. So yeah, I'm gonna go six and eleven. I do like this defense a little more than I'm. I don't like Darnold still. I, the offensive line has issues. They're really young. They're gonna need to perform throughout the season, but. I'm going to go six games. I'm not confident, and I think Carolina's a better football team than that. I like that. I think they're a better football team than the Falcons. The question is going to be, is Matt Ryan good enough and that offense good enough to propel the Falcons a little bit higher? But overall, I mean, this isn't the best division. It's not the most exciting division, probably. It's a weird division. Like, the quarterback play for a couple of these teams, obviously, could be a deciding factor. Carolina and New Orleans, those are good rosters, but we'll see what the guys behind center can do. Two of the more fascinating top draft picks that we've seen in recent years at the quarterback position. So I think Darnold is clearly the X factor. You agree? Yeah. I completely agree. Well, and we'll see if he can just not mess it up. Cause again, I'm not going to expect great things from him. It's going to be about not messing it up for the most part. So we're through eight teams here. We're through the entire NFC. Anything that you didn't get to on this pod, any crazy outcomes you could see possibly happening for any of these teams, anything you want to throw out there to the people. It's a good question. Um, Thank you. I ask see. it like every episode, so it's, well, I mean, <laughs> it's no, actually I mean, not that creative. And I, I'm I'm just thinking any big swings. Yeah. Maybe the Saints if Jameis balls out. Like uh-huh. maybe also yeah. if if we do see a rejuvenated Sam Darnold, the Panthers roster mm-hmm. with the weapons. If this offensive line is competent, I can genuinely see the Panthers winning eight to nine games. Mm-hmm. But that requires Sam Darnold being a really good quarterback, which yeah. Kind of a long shot. I do want to ask you. I don't want to put you on the spot if you don't have it officially ready. Do you have your like uh, your playoff teams, your top seven? Yeah, I think that the seven best teams in the NFC certainly are the four NFC West teams, and then my three division winners: the Packers, the Bucks, and uh, what's the last division? Oh, the Cowboys. So do you have? Do you have all four teams from the West making it in? Well, I have them all going nine and eight or better, so I would have to look at the exact tiebreakers, mm-hmm. I guess, but I'm pretty sure I can do that. I have them all going nine and eight, and then the only other non-division winner I have going nine and eight is the Saints. I think the Cardinals are a better team than the Saints. So I, right now, I don't think that can happen. Like realistically, four teams making the playoffs from one division, very, very, very mm-hmm. difficult. Obviously, it wasn't even possible until last year, but... Yeah, I think that they have four of the seven best teams. So in my world, 
I'm going to say that it can happen. How about you? What are your seven? So number one, I have the Packers winning the NFC. I have the Rams uh-huh. two, Bucks three, the football team four. I have the Niners, Seahawks, and Cowboys getting the wild card spot. Um, the reason the Cowboys are in, they both go nine and eight, but I have them winning the head-to-head matchup okay. against Arizona. Okay. So those are my seven teams. So top to bottom, I have the Bucks as the top seed, then I have the Rams, then I have the Packers, then I have the Cowboys, and then I have the C- uh, excuse me, the Niners, Seahawks, and Cardinals. So there you have it. NFC's done. Dude, that might be a that might be a good bet to put down. I'm going to look that up. All four Every NFC team, West like, teams, I yeah. can't imagine the odds on that. I think that, honestly, it's probably a bad bet, actually. I think that they probably know that people are going to overestimate it. Because, like, look, let's be honest. Like I said on last show, it doesn't happen. You're not going to have four teams that are all healthy and at their best for a full season. That's just not the way that football is, especially with them having tough schedules across the board. It's probably not going to happen. But you know what? I don't care. In my in my world, it is going to happen. So there you have it. There are NFC predictions at this point. After we get through the entire AFC, we'll also do a full awards, playoffs, all that stuff. But you'll have to wait to see who we have going all the way and all that good stuff until we do get to that point. Logan, we were able to successfully make it through live today on YouTube and Twitter. Huge accomplishment because last show we thought we're back in our studio here. We're live, and then we only lasted like four minutes before the Wi-Fi went out. So that was a bit of a bummer, but it's good to be back talking to you all, speaking into this camera in which I imagine all of your beautiful faces. If you want to continue to indulge in some nerd, in some nerd sesh content, then you probably know where to find us. If you're on our YouTube channel, then you can see that we post our full podcast here, and also we do some video breakdown stuff. Logan just did one on the Steelers preseason, the good, the bad, and the eh of that thus far, so you can go ahead and check that out. I've got one coming very soon. You'll see it in your feeds tomorrow morning. I won't spoil what on, but it is a basketball video, so you can get excited for that. You can follow us on social media. Twitter is at nerd underscore sesh. Instagram and TikTok are both at nerd sesh. And with that, as always, I have been Carson Brabber. I have been Logan Camden. And this was Nerd Sesh.